Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 54. Let's roll. We are fully in the rearview mirror with week one, and we are looking forward to week two. And this is when it just starts, the pace just starts going faster and faster. I am so excited. I love it. Uh, right into the swing of things. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to open up with my New England Patriots, who I said were going to beat the shit out of the Miami Dolphins. So I've got to take my medicine there. But I'm going to let I'm going to let my guests kind of come at me a little bit, too, because I'm sure it'll put me in my place as well. So uh, before we get to all that, I want to introduce my guests. I'm really, really excited to roll uh, and do this show with uh, with Trav. Many of you know Trav. He is the the apex predator at truenorthffb.com. The website they've got there, I love it. They're they're our brothers in, to the north, you know. Uh, he's the king of the north. That's a hell of an intro, Travis Seal. You can find him Man. at T Seal fourteen on Twitter. Travis, what is going on, brother? Dude, I forgot I forgot to wear my crown tonight, so I'm glad we're just on audio, or else I feel like I wouldn't have done that intro any justice, calling me a king. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm good, man. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you were one of my favorite follows for a long time, and uh, I'm now lucky enough to call you a good buddy of mine in the fantasy football space, and we've been riding together for quite a while now, and uh, thankful that you invited me on the show, brother. I've been loving loving the show since you got started, so great work, my man. Thanks, man. You know, and I've told you, uh, you know, in private, which means it's true. I love your show, too. I do listen to your show and I love it. You're awesome. And the people are going to hear it again and understand how good you are. And then they're going to go subscribe to the True North pod because it's really good. I I say that not to kiss your ass so that you'll go easy on me. I say it because I mean it. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, buddy. I don't mind a little ass kissing from time to time, but uh, no, I appreciate that, dude. Ty, uh, my my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin and myself have been doing it for just about three years, and I think this is our third season rolling in. And uh, right around when you know Undroppables and stuff got started, and uh, you know got introduced to all you guys, so it's been uh, it's been a really fun ride with the pod, and we've seen some good success. So um, yeah, it's just a hobby, dude. Right? It's like it's just fun. We just get it in front fun, of a microphone man. instead of just being on the phone or being in person, right? Absolutely. I would be talking football regardless, so I might as well get paid for it. Wait, I'm mm-hmm. not getting paid? What is going on? <laughs> anyway, listen, I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Who cares? I'm not. Um, unless you want to pay me. You want to pay me, Trav? No? Mm, I don't have that kind of cash flow, buddy. The Canadian dollar is not doing great versus the American. <laughs> <laughs> he, is the, he is the greatest Canadian. But hey, I am in mourning. As my New England Patriots, who I basically said we're going to – it was funny too because last week, I'm sure all the listeners are like ready to tell me I'm an idiot because uh, last week on the pod, I was talking about the over-unders and all the rest of it. We, we did a full NFL preview, AFC, then NFC, whatever. It was just a lot, you know, and we're doing every single team and we're talking about the AFC East and I was like, the Patriots are going to win that division and I made a mistake. I said, you know – you really want Miami coming to New England in November or December? You know, I didn't know when they played them. I didn't look. You know, it's week one in New England. I'm like, yeah. uh, oops. So anyway, got that wrong. But, you know, hey, I was very encouraged by my New England Patriots. We're going to start there. I'm going to at least uh, take my medicine and talk about them. Uh, they won that game 
And then Damian Harris fumbled on the five yard mm-hmm. line, you know, a la Ernest Biner. Uh, was it Ernest Biner? Is that right? Did I, did I recall you're, that? You're right? old, man. You're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. it was Ernest Biner and uh, equally as devastating, I guess, eh? Uh, not quite, I suppose. That one was for yeah. a chip, but uh, but yeah, it hurt a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, the Pats are are I, I I they were doing that thing where when you have that rookie quarterback on the rookie pay scale, I mean, he's not even a first pick; he's like the fifteenth pick. So his 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 uh his salary is going to be very easy to manage, and they're going to be able to put a dope team around him when the salary cap goes up next year. So I think they made the right decision to roll with him out the gate. I thought he looked really good. I mean, look, he didn't look outstanding, but he looked good enough. He was he was efficient. He didn't make uh, any mistakes, well, any big mistakes, I should say. And uh, you know, like I said, he got them to the spot where they needed to to win the game. And you know. Damian Harris with a tough, tough fumble. Uh, I think the Pats yeah. fumbled like four times or something like that. Just a brutal, uh, brutal week for that. I mean, you can't put the ball on the ground. I'm sure Belichick was pissed off. But all that being said, I thought there was a lot of hope for that team. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about dynasty and and players, but I can't get away from talking about my team. So what did you think or what were your takeaways from that Pats team and that Pats uh, Dolphins game? I thought it was a pretty solid performance for a rookie quarterback against a really good defense in Miami. Like Brian Flores knows what he's up against going against new England. Right. And so I think he knows how to game plan for that. But I mean, when a guy throws for just about 75% completions on 40 pass attempts, that's pretty damn good as a rookie. Um, You know, and you mentioned that they're going to be able to build a good team around Mac Jones. I think they've, you know, they've done a pretty good job at that, but I also think like it's not necessarily the coaching staff. that's going to go for big, big name weapons, you know what I mean? And so they they can build a dope team without having to go out and spend that crazy amount on that wide receiver one who hits the market, like a Kenny Galladay just going to New York or something like that. Like they can build a contending team that has some fruitful fantasy football pieces without having those guys. Like Nelson Aguilar had a pretty decent game. And I think a lot of that's going to have to be due to Mac Jones and his accuracy, which he put on full display in his first bloody game, man. So I think it was really good for Mac Jones. That fumble was brutal. I mean, Damian Harris is one of my favorite running backs um, coming into last season and then this season as well. Um, It's unfortunate. Hopefully he doesn't do that much more because that's the type of shit that'll get you benched with Bill Belichick. Right. So um, overall, I think it was good though against a good defense. And so I think we, you know, just going to watch the progression now. You know, me and Michael P. Duncan, Michael P. Duncan got into an argument um, last week about the Patriots and about, um, you know, Jonu Smith. And I thought Jonu Smith looked really good. And I had mentioned, Mm -hmm. I said, uh, you know, two years ago in 2019, uh, Jonu had four carries. Forget this. 78 yards right four (laughs) carries for 78 yards last year he got two carries it's like Mm -hmm. what the hell's going on i mean clearly that should be something that should be expanded well in week one he got one so that's a Mm -hmm. pace of 17 carries a year so it's clear that belichick is going to use him correctly i thought he looked explosive out there um you know five targets i know he only went for 42 yards but there was a couple spots where he was just ripping it um you know he he looked good um i think they're going to be able to use you know, the Henry Janu Smith thing effectively, you know, I, uh, I think Janu is in that sort of, and I, and I was careful to temper this, the Aaron Hernandez role. I don't think he's as good as Aaron Hernandez, but I think he's an explosive athletic type tight end who can, who can run the football, take end arounds and kind of put pressure on the defense from a, a variety of ways. And when you have that road grading offensive line and Damian Harris, I thought they looked really good. I think if Mac Jones can continue to grow, Uh, he's got a good future ahead of him. And I think he, I moved him up in my, uh, 
in my uh, uh, dynasty rankings. I felt like, you know, he showed what he needed to show in order to kind of, you know, just be that guy. I don't know that he's going to ever be elite either in the real NFL or in fantasy, but I think he's going to be solid as hell for a long time. Yeah. Well, talking about like the tight ends there with Johnny, I think he looks like he's going to be kind of the between the twenties after the catch guy, right? You said 42 yards, 26 of those yards were after the catch. And the reason they're going to give him carries is because they want the ball in his hands to let him go do his thing. Right. He's doing that already with those five targets. So I think he's going to be that guy. And then Hunter Henry, where he's going to make his hay is in the red zone. He's going to be that big end zone guy who soaks it up and probably has double digit touchdown upside every season. He's not going to hit that every season necessarily, but I think just with his profile and the way that he plays and the way they should use him, um, and the Chargers used him in the past when he had that double digit touchdown season was as a red zone monster. Um, he's never going to be a high yardage total guy, but I think these guys can both be super effective. And it's just like another product of the New England offense is that they have versatile weapons all over the place. We've seen yes. it in the backfield for like 45 years. Um, we, you know, we've seen it in the wide receiver core as well with the slot guys and then, you know, different gadget players and whatnot. So I think it's, it just plays well into Mac Jones having the tools that he needs. Right. Yeah. They've got depth at the running back position too. I mean, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, JJ Taylor. I think they've got enough there where if they sustained an injury to a back, they wouldn't be crushed. So yeah, I think they've got a really good squad and I still like them to win the division. Quite frankly, I really do. I, I know that that was something that, you know, was a little bit of a homer take, but I think it's close enough. I mean, look, the Buffalo yeah. Bills and we might as well. Well, we're going to get there in a second. Actually, I'm, I'm going to. Oh, God, let's go straight to the Bills. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, I don't care. Let's do That's it. A little we're just going to roll. It's a little spicy one for me saying that the Bills are or that the uh, Patriots are going to take that division. But I do like it. And, you know, we've seen them do that with a team that's not on paper better than the rest of the division before. So um, I think if any coach is going to do that, it's going to be Bill and that defense, which is going to bounce back this season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and the and with Buffalo, I've got a little bit of a take. Um, you know, it's look, it's one game. It's, oh, yeah. It's one game. Everybody's one game. So all this stuff is tempered, but it's one game. But I will say, if you go look at just Josh Allen's splits and his stats, especially efficiency, completion percentage, uh, you know, just everything across the board, touchdown percentage, he played more like 2019 Josh Allen than 2020 Josh Allen. So, totally. Yep. you know, I'm not saying he's 2019 Josh Allen. I'm just saying I don't think he's going to be quite. 2020 Josh Allen. I think he's going to end up somewhere in between there, probably honestly closer to 2020, but I think a little regression is coming for Josh for Allen. Sure. Um, I let's talk quickly about this. Cause I think you posted this and I loved your tweet. So I'll, 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 I'll spit that right now. You posted mm-hmm. most 11 personnel, most 12 personnel and most four wide. Look, mm-hmm. my Gabe Davis shares were thrilled that they ran almost 50% <laughs> four wide receivers uh, for, for the bills, but I don't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way they looked. They just were like, I, I mentioned it last week. I said, I think they're going to throw every down and they kind of did. And there's totally. no balance. There's no threat of balance. And I think even if you throw every down of having the threat of balance is one thing, but you know, they, they didn't have that. Um, you know, and actually when Singletary ran, he, he was ripping it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think they got to revisit a little bit. 
yeah, go for it, man. Tell me what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, well, I think like I think that right there, like the fact that they have so many wide receivers on the field all the time is part of why Josh Allen's going to be fine for fantasy. I think right. um, we got we to gotta remember he's playing that Pittsburgh defense, which is no joke. That's going to be, I, in my opinion, I think that's probably going to be one of the best fantasy defenses that we see and real-life defenses over the course of the season. So I think that should be taken into account for him, as well as it's the first game of the season, right? He's got, yes. um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders was was – he looked good and like he they <laughs> use him quite good, a bit man. yeah um so i think he's actually gonna be the second option but i think for josh allen like if you look at it um ty dropped a stat on the pod uh that we actually recorded earlier today when we're recording this right now um that the bills threw over 70 percent of the time to the wide receiver so or 70 yeah. percent of their plays were were throws um so i think if you look at that that just is conducive to Josh Allen continuing to score fantasy points. No On top doubt. of that, he had nine carries. So if you add those nine carries, that means probably at least 80% of the plays he is eligible to score fantasy points on. And we know <laughs> right. what he can do. We know what he can do as a runner, right? He's never rushed for less than eight touchdowns. I think we see regression where that's concerned. But we saw Lamar Jackson have a little bit of regression after that MVP season. He was still a top 10 quarterback. And I think Josh Allen probably sees a little bit less regression than did Lamar Jackson just because of the passing volume and the amount they use all those weapons. And so, um, yeah, we can't say that Emmanuel Sanders is washed. He's still got some talent and he's going to be a veteran leader for those guys. Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. Cole Beasley, I mean, he's not getting vaccinated and he's a bit of a tool, but he spits mad rhymes and he's a pretty good <laughs> wide receiver. So um, add, add this Gabe is Davis all is that add Gabe Davis is that deep threat option and a guy who I think can do more than be just a deep threat to be honest with you I think yeah. they're uh, they are lined up really nicely in this offense yeah so here's a little bit of a take I think you'll appreciate this first of all I love how you mentioned that Josh Allen is going to be fine for fantasy by the way I won hundred percent agree. I would not disagree about that. You know, we flip back and forth from talking about fantasy, mostly dynasty, but you know, real football is what, you know, breathes life into what the hell is going to be good for fantasy. So, mm-hmm. you know, sort of getting an understanding about, and that's kind of where, where I look at it is mm-hmm. what, what does real football look like? Well, then we can kind of figure out what the hell the fantasy part looks like. But um, you know, one thing that I was thinking about is playing as much four wide as they do, that hurts digs a little bit because when mm-hmm. look when there's more options it's going to be a less consolidated target share to digs now what helps them is that they're going to throw a lot they ran 85 plays 62 dropbacks for uh, Josh Allen that's a lot i that mean there are teams that didn't run 62 plays they ran 62 <laughs> dropbacks unbelievable so yeah, yeah that was that's encouraging for fantasy and and that's not going away cuz that's just the way they're going to play whether they're winning or losing so i don't necessarily think it's best for their winning. And that's kind of what my concern is. I think they need to inject some balance to win, you know, mm-hmm. establish the damn run. I'm joking, you know, yeah, especially but, in playoff know, football. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, look, passing is more efficient than running. We know that, but if the defense kind of feels what I, look, I played, you know, and the defense just knows what you're doing. It's really hard to throw into coverage that's sitting on you. Um, you mm-hmm. kind of want people on their heels uh, you know, a little bit, uh, totally. you know, not knowing what's coming. So they were a little bit homogenous out there. And that was my only, my only concern with the bills. 
Yeah, especially with the defenses in that division, right? Like the Patriots yeah. are going to have a good division. The Dolphins have – or good defense, sorry, and the Dolphins yep. have a, a good defense as well. Um, same can't necessarily be said for the Jets, but I think Robert Sala probably makes them a little bit better than they have been previously, right? So um, it's uh, it's definitely one of the tougher divisions. So, um, I mean, Josh Allen, if he's going to do it, he's going to have to prove his mettle. And I think to your point, um, when it's snowing in Buffalo in January, you're going to want to be able to run the damn ball because yeah. throwing in that is not going to be um, the way to win. You got to control the ball at some point, right? I, I would think so. And the Zach Moss uh, surprise um, inactive was interesting at the very least, eh? Mm-hmm. That was actually really surprising for me. I definitely thought he was going to get in there. I mean, he's a guy who's perpetually kind of banged up and nicked up a little bit, yeah. um, but usually he gives it a go, right? Unless it's something serious. So uh, I expect him back within the next couple of weeks. I didn't see any reports today, actually, Jax, as to whether uh, whether he's out there ready to go, but um, definitely something to monitor. But I think it's hard because I don't even know if, you know, if it's just one of these guys, like it was this past week with Singletary. I'm not necessarily sure if I want him for fantasy right now anyway right i agree i said that last week on the pod talking about you know trav last last week on the pod i said that exact thing and of course michael p duncan um incorrectly disagreed with me but um i said (laughs) i'm joking just messing with michael p duncan but i but i did i said you know i think neither of these two running backs is worth anything in that offense because of how often they're going to pass they're going to pass every Mm -hmm. single time and yeah that's kind of how it played out it's like if Singletary would have gotten 20 carries, he probably would have been valuable, but he got 11, I think, and, you mm-hmm. know, was ripping a couple, but it just it isn't enough. And if there's two of them, you know, there's just not enough opportunity, whether it be target share to running back or running yes. plays to running back and touchdowns to running backs so totally. for them and to be viable. I think we just know as an offense, they're not going to throw the ball much to the running back, right? I think the high for a running back since Josh Allen start, was starting was 44 targets for Devin Singletary a couple seasons ago, I think in his rookie year, actually. So we just know that that's not there for these guys. Um, and a while back, Jax, you uh, you and Stoner were on yes. on my show and you we were talking about how um, Devin Singletary is living in the kangaroo pouch of Zach Moss peeking out of mummy's pouch. And I think what might be actually true is that both of these guys are in Josh Allen's kangaroo pouch because he's well the guy, he's the guy whose rushing work we want on this team. Right. So yes. I think we can almost avoid this backfield. Like I have a couple of dynasty rosters where I've got Devin Singletary and I'm stuck with him right now. And like, I don't, what I'm going to sell him for is not going to be, I don't know. I, it's really hard to sell Devin Singletary and feel happy with anything that you're going to get because you're going to get like a maybe a back end third round pick or something like that for um, a guy that uh, you were hoping to be like a running back too. Yeah, sometimes you're just better off hanging on to a guy. You know, yeah. Daryl Henderson saw his fortunes turn around. You know, I was thinking about the other day like Tim Patrick. I have Tim Patrick on so many dynasty squads, and it's like. Yeah. I don't know. I never needed to sell him for anything. Like it's dynasty. You just, you have dudes on your bench that don't really play. And then, you know, like, but you want the right guys there. You want a guy that if he comes in is going to actually have high asymmetrical upside, you know, not just some guy who's never going to be good no matter what, you know, like it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. So yeah, Tim Patrick's one of those perfect guys. 
And as a running back, Singletary is a guy who could change teams and be explosive. I believe in the talent big time. I just think the offense is hindering him. And another yeah. point with that is Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator there, is likely getting a head coaching job pretty soon. And so if we're talking about Josh Allen regression, I think that's when we really see some Josh Allen For regression. Sure. And if there's an offensive shift, maybe it benefits the backfield down the road. I don't wish that on this team because I love that high flying four wide receiver sets. Um, but it is in the realm of possibilities down the line if the coaching – coaching regime shifts a little bit so um it's always good to hold running backs that are young and uh you believe in the talent in my opinion yeah i've been uh so let's move move the chains a little bit here uh you pour, you know so i i i had made some uh derogatory and uh trolling tweets to jets fans <laughs> about uh zach zach wilson and uh, our patriots are going to go uh play the uh the new york jets uh in week two the Jets didn't look very good, and neither did Zach Wilson. I watched that game today, actually, before I got on the 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 uh, the Jets Carolina game, and I will say that Zach Wilson, you could kind of see that he was used to having a whole lot more time at uh, in college because of mm-hmm. he would just hang on to the ball. Like the yeah. offensive line wasn't good, and he had a couple times where it was just quick to him, but there were other times where he thought like he could like juke a defender in the backfield and like create some time for himself and. And he, and he can't because it's the NFL, yeah. you know, and it's not whomever the fuck he was playing, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah. in college because he had a shit schedule. So I think he's got some learning to do. But what I will tell you, Trav, is he's got he's got a very lively arm, and if he can learn how to play in the NFL, dude can dude can spin it. And I think that's yeah. why you hear guys like Tony Romo and some of these other guys, you know, Chris Sims are also high on him because they see that arm talent. They see the way that he can place the football, you know, downfield. Like he can put it on a rope 40 yards mm-hmm. and place it. It's really impressive. Um, so he spun it well, but he made a lot of bad decisions in the pocket. And look, a lot of those things can be coached and corrected. So I do still feel like he's got upside, but it was there were some goods and some bads. What were your thoughts about about that? Absolutely. I mean, when you're 16 years old, it's going to take you some time to get acclimated (laughs) to the NFL game, right? And so Zach Wilson's just doing that, you know, and I think he did a pretty good job in the first game with an entire organization that's in transition, right? Like this is, these are the teams, unfortunately, that bury the careers of young quarterbacks that they draft highly. And I don't think that's going to happen with Zach Wilson, because I do think he has that kind of talent. He's mobile out of the pocket. He's got an absolute gun on him. Um, and we saw that on display to his touch or, or on his touchdown to Corey Davis. Um, that was his only touchdown of the day. And oh no, sorry. No, he had two, two touchdowns Davis. on the, the day. Sorry. Too, yeah. And um, it was really nice. He got outside of the pocket and he threw it um, on a line to Davis in the end zone. And uh, I think it looked pretty good. So he's just got to grow with the offense. They did add some pieces Losing Mackay Becton is yeah, uh, that can't be understated, man. That cannot be understated. It's <laughs> going to cause him to have to use his mobility. So we might see a little bit more growing pains because he's going to have to be running for his life a little bit more. Um, but I think, you know, we're not going to see um, an all-world rookie quarterback season from the kid, but we're going to see some tools that he can use going forward as they build a team around him. And I think they have a good regime to do so now. So yeah. finally, I think the Jets fans can be optimistic. Um, and Zach Wilson's going to be a big part of that because he has an absolute hose on him, man. <laughs> no doubt. Are they going to be like 4-13 and 13 with optimism, though? 
I think like probably something around there. Like we said, that defense is or that divisions. I'm I'm screwing up the words division and defense on this pod, and Just I, you know it's close enough. So whatever, yeah. you know what I mean. Division, defense, tomato, tomato. Um, but anyway, that division's going to be really hard, and uh, Zach Wilson's. Um, it's going to be a good test though. He's going to have to go through that fire. Right. And yeah, uh, he's going to get to do it early. And I think that's the best way to get those lumps out for these young guys. Well, we, we, we talked about pretty much the entire AFC East and uh, you know, centered around my Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, 2022 <laughs> Super Bowl champs. They're going to go face Tom Brady. By the way, I heard Bill Simmons say that, you know, it was like the, the all narrative bowl will be the Belichick versus Brady Super Bowl this year, which you know, it sounded really good. I got really excited about it. So yeah. um, it, it is but, possible. Uh, I do like Tampa Bay quite a bit to get there. And, and you know, the Patriots will have a fighting chance if they make the playoffs. Why don't we talk about the real 2022 champs, though, Jack? Yes. I'm itching to talk about them. Um, yes. My birds, man. We got to talk. Yes. About, if we're talking to your pats, we got to talk my birds. They were they were next, baby. You know, you steal the show sheet, baby. You know what's up. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know that's what. No, sorry. I love it. You know where we're going. And and for me, it's like I got really excited. I really liked watching that game. I was really pumped up about them. It wasn't one of those sort of flimsy wins where you're like, no, dude, that didn't look that didn't look right. It looked real. You know, the offensive line looked like it was blocking well. Uh, the mm-hmm. defense looked good. I mean, again, we. I, I said that I thought the Falcons were really bad, but I thought also that you were going to get lit up in the secondary. I said Kyle Pitts was going to go off. I think a lot of people felt like Kyle Pitts was going to yeah. go off, but I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a shootout where you guys were going to have. A, I say you guys as if you're like, would you play a slot corner this last week? Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> you guys were going to get lit up in the in the in the secondary. It was going to be a bit of a shootout, and that didn't happen. Um, tell me what you saw, and and uh, uh, and and first and foremost. We'll go here first. Is Jalen Hurts for real? Oh, buddy. He is. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> six to midnight. Get Don't yeah. get me started, Jax, right? Um, I think he is for real. And I think this is like um, with expectations though, right? What the offense did this past week is what's going to be successful for Jalen Hurts. Um, a lot of lower average depth of target passing. We're letting guys do work after the catch. Um, obviously, he's going to use his legs, which gives him that floor. Uh, but I think like the key is going to be putting him in low risk uh, passing situations that can kind of insulate him. Not that he can't, you know, throw deep or maybe play in catch up situations because, you know, I think he probably could do that if they were clicking well. But I just think that, you know, as a whole, if they're going to be a winning team, they need to minimize that a little bit and just play into the running game and some of that short stuff to let these weapons who are really good after the catch do some work after the catch. So I think he is the real deal as long as he's not putting it up 50 times a game expected to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. You know, there's going to be games where he has 225 and two touchdowns, but then he's going to give you 80 on the ground and a touchdown with his legs, right? So um, I think he's definitely the real deal, especially for fantasy football. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It looked really good. I, you know, um, I had the pod uh, a couple weeks ago with Tommy Moe where it was called the the Jalen Hurts reach around, which I know everybody <laughs> in the audience really loved that one. Yeah, uh, but, you know, <clears throat> when they finally listened to the pod, they realized that I was saying you got to reach around, not what they were thinking, you know, but reach mm-hmm. around for him in, in a redraft scenario because his upside is so huge. And why let him get into, you know, don't let him get to your opponent, you know, late in a, in a redraft scenario. Um, you know, he, he, I feel like, you know, at quarterback 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, like, 
he's a slam because he has mm-hmm. top five upside. He was that good in week one. And I feel like almost no matter what the game's game script is, he's got a shot at, at returning value in almost every situation. Yeah, and I think in 2021, you have to target rushing upside at the quarterback position. You just have to if you want that elite upside for your team, especially with the rise of the Superflex format. You have to be attacking these quarterbacks and especially the ones that can run. And if you look at Jalen Hurts and where you were drafting him, there was that tier of those like top six guys who were those rushing quarterbacks. And then there was a little drop off where you're into like your, your Tom Brady's and your Aaron Rodgers and your Matt Stafford's and stuff like that. But if you're getting back into that eighth round, I was taking Jalen Hurts in the seventh, eighth round because you get back in there and he's the only guy that offers you that. He's really the only guy that offers you that with a team that you think is going to throw the ball a little bit. Like Miles Sanders is commanding some targets. Kenneth Gainwell's freaking commanding targets, which I love to see. So I think think just the way it's set up, it's set up really, really well for him. And I think if you made that pick in the seventh round, you're going to be happy with that at the end of the season because he's going to finish as a top 10 quarterback if he continues to do stuff like this. Um, Yeah. I just yeah, think he's. It, I mean, he's going to finish yeah. as a top five quarterback if he continues to play like this. But let let let's take a look at you know this Philadelphia team. He, here's the here's the tough one. So in week two against San Francisco, uh, that 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 should be an interesting game. They play a Monday nighter at Dallas. Uh, they play Kansas City, Carolina. Carolina is a little frisky. They play mm-hmm. uh, the Bucks, Tampa Bay. Vegas, then they get a little lighter. So then they play Vegas, Detroit, but then again, Chargers, Denver, Saints. It should be interesting. They they really need to get a little bit, of, a, a few wins here because toward the end of the season, it gets a lot easier. They get the Giants, the Jets. Look, the, the, the football team, we're going to talk about them in a minute. They get the mm-hmm. football team twice and the Giants again. Yeah, so they get rough. the, you know, right? So, I mean, yeah, of course, football team was like a sneaky Super Bowl pick. I think now they're you know, a 500 team at best. I, I mean, yeah. you know, look, we were kind of hoping we were catching lightning in a bottle with Fitzpatrick. It's not like, I mean, you're going to catch lightning in a bottle twice with Hineke. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's the Tom yeah. Brady situation, but I'm not it's so gonna sure. It's going to be on the back of that defense. It's going to have to be. So, um, the, the, but the division but is getting up back to Philly. Though. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's no what I'm getting at. That. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if they can just kind of win a couple of these tough games as San Francisco, Dallas, Kansas city, Tampa Bay, like, they, they, this is a little bit of a tough stretch. If they can just get a couple of wins here in the next two, three, I mean, excuse me, four or five weeks, I'll feel good about it for them. Well, and this is the, this is the true test, right? Like we talk about the Atlanta Falcons who they played in week one. And I think they did what you want them to do. They beat up on the Falcons who are a bad NFL football team, especially yes, that sir. defense. Um, and I think this week's going to be a better test, right? Like if you want a championship team, you are going to want them to be tested against good teams. And San Francisco is that. They fell apart towards the back half of that Detroit game as Detroit was in catch-up mode, but that tends to happen from time to time. I still think this is one of the better teams in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so it's just going to be a good test for the Eagles this week. I think, like I said, the offense is really insulating Jalen Hurts with the run game and the multiple running backs. You saw Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders in there on certain, certain situations. Dallas Goddard, I think, is an elite talent at the tight end position in the NFL. I think he's probably one of the best after-the-catch tight ends we have. Almost up there with George Kittle. I would even put him almost up there with George Kittle. He just doesn't get that kind of work. But if he did, we would see it from him. Um, yeah, so I just think they've got a lot of pieces that are really ready for this. and. 
if they can put it together with the new coaching staff. I don't think anybody's expecting a Super Bowl team this year, uh, but I think for fantasy and for real life, I think they can put together a surprising season and take this division. Um, yes. Because Dallas, I mean, Dallas is a good team, but that defense isn't stopping shit. Nope. Um, so I'm excited for those games because we're going to be able to see what Jalen Hurts and the offense can do in a shootout type game, right? Because yeah. you're not going to, you're also not going to stop Dallas from scoring some points either because they're dynamite through the air. Yeah, I think if Philly, like I said, I think if Philly can just hang around a little bit, they can really make a run towards the end of the year. Like I said, so I'm excited for that. Um, you know, their opponent in Week Two is the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers uh, lose Raheem Mostert. Early, they had uh, Trey Sermon uh, inactive, surprisingly, and then they kind of kicked the shit out of Detroit, as I predicted. Of course, the late cover, if you got them at eight and a half, which you should have bet them earlier when they were like six and a half, seven. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. But um, <laughs> but then my boy, and y'all know, I mean, I was talking up Elijah Mitchell from the beginning, from like February. Go back and read, listen to the tape. Like I was all over Elijah Mitchell. He was in my top six or seven running backs in the 2021 class pre-draft. I absolutely love Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he, you know, he landed in a quote unquote crowded backfield that became uncrowded very quickly. Uh, Jeff Wilson out sermon inactive Mostert hurt. It's like Gallman cut. And then it's like him and Jamichael hasty looking at each other. And he's like, I got this shit. And he looked dope. <laughs> Dude ran a four, three, five at his pro day. Maybe he's a four, four player, but that's really fast at the running back position. Over 200 pounds. He did have a 20-catch season. Um, uh, I think it was a sophomore year in college. Yeah. He hits a, he checks a lot of the Dynasty Game Theory Anatomy Series boxes uh, other than draft capital. Um, you know, I mean, he, he is a legit player. I comped him to Aaron Jones Light. Um, and in our draft kit, the Undroppables draft kit, we, we comped him to Miles Gaskin. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like that. somewhere between Miles Gaskin and Aaron Jones is what this kid is um, and can be. So if they give that guy all the the reps and all the opportunity in San Francisco, that's pretty close to a running back one. Am I crazy? You are not crazy at all all um i might be a little bit more trepidatious on elijah mitchell just because i do think that sermon's going to come in and be a factor probably sooner rather than later um but i also love elijah mitchell buddy don't get me wrong i think he was one of those guys you talk about jalen hurts being you know that only guy in his tier who has rushing upside in the draft i think elijah mitchell mitchell once you got to that like third fourth round he was one of the only guys for me that kind of profiled as being able to be a three down running back in that tier where you were able to acquire him so right. um, I think he could have been a reach around type fella as well. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say, anything, you know, we're getting weird um, today. This is yeah, great. I'm getting a little bit weird on a on a Wednesday night with me, Jax. That tends to happen. Um, but I think Elijah Mitchell can do it. I just don't know if he's going to get the chance to do it. And I know what they say about the crowded backfield in San Francisco. But this is a running game you want pieces of. Don't Agreed. get it twisted. It doesn't matter if you're taking the third piece. You're taking him at his cost because his cost is worth what the upside is going to be when they run the ball, you know, some of the highest rates in the NFL and the war of attrition just gets the best of some of their players. Right. So I think that's bound to happen. We've seen it year over year. 
that the third guy in this offense is going to give you some spiked weeks towards the back of the season. So just get pieces and put them on the bottom of your bench. Another thing I saw um, today actually that dropped was uh, Tommy from Undroppables, of course, had a really sweet video um, just showing some of what Elijah Mitchell did. Um, And he had a flashback to when Elijah Mitchell was in college and it was cool to kind of see the college tape again and then see it translate into the NFL. So I think he's in a dynamite position. I just think Trey Sermon being the only running back that Shanahan's drafted in the top three rounds, I think ever as a head coach, um, just says to me that Sermon's going to get some work and 100%. I don't know what was going on with week one, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if Sermon came in just in week two even and got the carry carry load because if it was a disciplinary thing, it could just be a slap on the wrist and then set you right back up in the lineup because we want to win this game, right? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think because of the upside, you have to respect the Elijah Mitchell. And I, I you know, I'm in a couple of leagues. Look, in a dynasty league, you know, you need to get him if he's not, yeah. you know, if he's on the waiver. I mean, of course. And in deep um, fantasy redraft, you really need to probably use your entire fab bid to get him. I know there was a lot of leagues that didn't, you didn't need to do that. But, yeah. you know, in every league that I was in, that he was available, it required a hundred percent of your fab bid to get, um, you know, to get Elijah Mitchell, totally. just because it's all the upside. I mean, obviously, if you didn't need it, well, then obviously you didn't need it. But you know, that's what uh, what I saw. Uh, I I won him with a hundred percent fab bid, beat someone who also put a hundred percent. I lost him with a, a, a you know a hundred percent, and two others had put a hundred percent. So I think mm-hmm. he's that kind of guy. But I agree with you on the flip side that it's not a sure thing <laughs> because yeah. Trey Sermon could easily become the the number one there. And Elijah uh, Mitchell is kind of the, you know, 30% kind of spell back. It's definitely possible. That is so within the range of outcomes, but because the other side is literally an RB one, a top 10 running totally. back you have to fucking try that, you know, you yeah. see what happens. Who knows? Trey because- Sermon can get hurt next week. Even like if Trey Sermon is doghouse for any longer or whatever it is, and Elijah Mitchell gets the lead in the lead carries, then um, he's going to be that right. And I think yeah. even if Sermon, like I said, if Sermon's out and Hasty is in there, I don't think Hasty's getting a big share of this carry load. I think he's just going to have some spell work. The only thing I might worry about is I saw Jermichael Hasty did get a goal line carry or two this past week, which yep, is a little scored. bit sketchy, but I think, yep. you know, we saw Elijah Mitchell pop off for that big play so he can make his own damn hay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Even if Jermichael Hasty is taking a goal line carry or two, this is a team that's run the ball near the goal line the most out of any other team in the last two years. So yeah. I'm not too worried about that because whoever the lead guy will get his regardless of the second guy taking some of that. Well, yeah, and you, you say it. I mean, look, the, the infuriating part of the San Francisco 49ers uh, running back situation is that they're always splitting time. They're, you, you, you have to go way far back before Shanahan to find someone who yeah. had like, you know, 70, 80 percent um, share of the running back touches. It just doesn't happen. He's so but even 50 percent of that backfield is a high value play in fantasy on a weekly basis. So if it's Sermon and Elijah Mitchell and that's what they do and they're like, each get 10, 12 carries and a couple targets. Like that's yeah. really good uh, in that offense, yeah. you know? It's because the offensive line is so good that there's going to be a hole to let that guy pop off a big one. You know, you yeah, see it almost the, every Niners They scheme game. it too, man. They scheme Raheem it so Mostert, well. 
Raheem Mostert had the highest explosive rush rate in the league last year at like 17% of his carries going over 10 yards. So uh, it, the offense is just built for that. We know that. And so that's why we say target the third piece in this offense and, and do it with confidence. Put him on your bench and wait for him to pop because it's going to happen. Well, we're, we're doing a little, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of different players here and there, but another guy on the uh, San Francisco 49ers is Brandon Ayuk. And yeah. everybody's freaking out about Brandon Ayuk. Um, I'm just going to ask it this way, simple. Are you are you worried or not worried? I am not worried. I actually had people in a couple of group chats asking if uh, if Brandon Ayuk should get dropped in their redraft <laughs> leagues. Jesus. And a couple of us were just like, absolutely not. You do not drop Brandon Ayuk. This is a yeah, guy no. that we were drafting damn near in the top 20. This is a guy that was a first round pick for Kyle Shanahan just last year and had a great rookie season. I don't know if he's in the doghouse or it is that uh, hammy that Shan- Shanahan was talking about. Maybe a little tough love, but do not compare him to Dante Pettis whatsoever because he is a far better player who gained the trust of his head coach far more than Dante Pettis. So don't be worried. I think adding to the worry is the fact that Debo Samuel absolutely blew the roof off of <laughs> He's the so place. Good. I love that. Um, dude. I think he had 189 yards and two touchdowns. I haven't been the hugest Debo guy because of his low, low average depth of target. Um, I do love what he does after the catch, but in a low volume passing offense, a guy that doesn't get that downfield work. I was pretty skeptical about it, but man, did Debo punch me in the face with his week one performance because um, he got air yards. He got yards after the catch. He got touchdowns. He got it all. So I think Brandon Ayuk eats into that, but I think um, I think there's going to be a little bit of enough to go around because if Debo's doing that on say seven targets or something, and then Brandon Ayuk can come in and get some downfield work. I still think that's a pretty lucrative offense for passing because of the efficiency in spite of the volume. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. No panic here. Um, mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk was third on the team in routes run. George Kittle ran 16. Brandon Ayuk ran 15. Mm-hmm. I know the ball didn't really go there, but did you hear what I just said? 16 and 15. Yeah. That's not a lot. We just said that uh, Josh Allen dropped back 62 times. This was not a right. You know, you know, literally the 16 routes run and 15 were the second most on the team. Uh, Sherfield ran 14. This was not a passing game situation. Um, I'm not worried at all. Now I am going to say that, you know, I was asking, I whispered the question a few times. Are we sure Ayuk is the WR one? And it was like one of those things where you're like, Hey, are you guys sure? They're like, yes. And we're sure you're like, all right, fine. I'm not going <laughs> to, like he didn't mention it. So I was just like, all right, fine. No, no, sorry, fine. All right. I guess I'm uh, out of my, out of my element here, but you know, Debo is badass. that I know. That much is solved equation, you know, and I know he's a little bit of that sort of running back as a, as a wide receiver type of player. And it kind of showed a little bit this week too. And he was just fucking housing dudes, but <laughs> it's so fun to like, it's honestly, so George Kittle and Debo Samuel on the same team is like, I don't know. It's just pure sex. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're just bonkers, but you know, th- that team is going to have situations where they need to throw the ball more, maybe even next week against your Philadelphia Eagles, but we'll see yeah. about that um, with a pretty good front that you guys have, but a, you know, kind of a bad secondary. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Ayuk comes back. I think he's going to be fine. He literally split time with Sherfield. Um, and look, uh, Shanahan said it. Shurfield earned it. 
which actually says more about Sherfield being the probably surefire number three guy there and maybe mm-hmm. a guy that you can look to look to buy in that way. But I wouldn't be selling uh, Ayuk. I'd be looking to buy Ayuk in Dynasty, especially right now. Go right now and go see what you can do to buy Brandon Ayuk because he's probably being slept on right now. Someone's probably like, look, this this guy, they probably do think he's the Dante Pettis 2.0. And obviously there's always a chance that's true. I just don't buy it at all. Would you trade Debo for Ayuk right now, Jax? Well, oh, who, which side you. would that you take? That sucks. Yeah. I yep. hate you. <laughs> I hate you. You're good at this. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Oh my God. I love Debo so much. That'd be tough. If someone sent mm-hmm. me that, that'd be, uh, first of all, the first thing I would do if someone sent me that trade is I would like send them an immediate, like, you're awesome. You're a fucking <laughs> stud. I love you, bro. Cause nobody's doing that. Fuck. I love it. I'm going to go oh, prob- look for the leagues that we're in together and see if we might be able to make something like that happen. Uh, probably. I-, I tell you what, it's it's a thought. How's that? That's mm-hmm. that's where Absolutely. that's where he's fallen, and I think that's probably the range in which you're looking to push uh, someone like that for uh, for Ayuk. You know mm-hmm. uh, that that I was thinking about who I would offer up for Ayuk. Any other ideas other than making me feel terrible about trading my son Debo Samuel? <laughs> One of the names that comes to mind is Robbie Anderson. Um, he got the touchdown this week, so his score looked okay, but he only had three targets. Terrace Marshall had six. I am sky high on Terrace Marshall, so I think yeah. him taking over Robbie's role as the second fiddle in this offense is sooner rather than later, and I think he might even take over DJ Moore's role as the number one target in that offense. Um, but Very uh, possible. So Robbie Anderson for Brandon Ayuk, I would absolutely take Brandon Ayuk for him. Um, I think it's just a testament, though, to that, we might have a different wide receiver one in San Francisco from week to week, man. I don't know. Like it really depends because they're going to have to throw the ball more to keep all these guys eaten. Cause George Kittle, you said only ran 16 routes and five targets, you know, five targets across a full season. We're looking at only like 85 targets for George Kittle. So he can do that with all his after the catch work. But I think, uh, unless they pass the ball more, it's going to be the, to the detriment to somebody else. Like these guys having that big boom, um, which is why I lean Ayuk because I think his, and he has more downfield prowess than Debo, let's say. So I think his ultimate upside might be a little bit higher. But we saw Debo put up almost two hundred this past week. So who the fuck am I, right? <laughs> yeah. No, Debo's and 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 also there's a there's a reason I hesitate with Debo. If Debo were in a different offense, I'd probably do it in a snap second. But because of the way they play in San Francisco, Debo's kind of perfect for that. They do a lot of that play action, misdirection stuff where, you know, you talk about a dot. It's not like they get he's running a two yard like curl route, right? He's running like little misdirection drag routes where they get him yeah. going across them. And then all of a sudden that's why he's they're getting yak players in yak situations. So that's one of the reasons I really like Debo. How about like Kenny Galladay? You know, that's not a bad guy to maybe, you know, serve I, up. I'd go Ayuk over Kenny Galladay. Me too. For sure. Me for too. Sure. Me and too. I think, but that's a like, big people name. get enamored yeah. with the Kenny Galladay still being a wide receiver one business. And I don't think he's that anymore. So I think that's a really good name to toss out there because especially being the wide receiver one on the Giants too, you know, like he's the clear alpha guy there. So I think people would probably pay up a little bit for him. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, DJ Chark, someone like that. I mean, somewhere in there, you know, and that's kind of where, you know, Debo lives in those waters as well. So, I mean, um, by the way, getting back to your uh, Philadelphia, Devontae Smith moved up uh, my dynasty rankings with his showing. You know, once you see it, you know, it's like, okay, we're there. And uh, he, he, he sort of answered whatever questions he could answer in week one, don't you think? I absolutely think so. Um, <laughs> of course he you would got, say that. Obviously, I would say that, right? But the game was just really promising as an Eagles fan because our range of outcomes, especially if you're looking at Twitter, was very, very <laughs> wide, you know? Yes. Um, so I was just pleasantly surprised with everything that I saw there, especially, you know, Devontae Smith, highly scrutinized um, first-round pick, very small, can't do it, blah, 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 blah. I always thought he had the length to make up for his, you know, slender frame or whatever. He's six foot one and has long as fuck arms. So you don't think that guy's going to get up and be able to snatch balls in the end zone? I think he can. And I mean, seven targets in his first game, 71 yards and a touchdown. Um, He played a little bit in the slot. He just, he did everything they wanted him to do and got a touchdown and showed rapport with, with his quarterback. So I don't think you can ask for a lot more. Um, I, I'm don't not under the illusion that this guy's going to be getting 15 targets a game or anything, but I think what he can do with his seven to 10 targets is going to be really nice for fantasy football. Agreed. And little quick, little side note, that touchdown throw to Devante was perfect. Absolutely. Oh, great throw. He threw so many great beautiful throw. balls. Like his, yeah, uh, his was spiral was tight. His placement was good that he used touch when he needed to. It was, uh, it was good to see man. That's a quarterback's throw right there. I mean, you know, you as, as a former, you know, quarterback, you watch that throw, you're like, no, no, that's a throw. That's a cool throw. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was right on the money. So that was cool. Um, another guy that I'm getting excited about, and I probably was too uh, underweight on coming in, but I'm ready now. And anybody who's questioning it and wants to sell because they think it was fake, I'm here to do, take take all the Brian Edwards. Are you with yeah. me on the Brian Edwards is on the cusp of a breakout? Mm, I love I have, it. I I'm hope not, you have him in a league. I'm in with you. I'm ready. There. I'm not quite there yet, but I, I'm starting to see it, to be honest. And I think what it was is that I just hadn't seen much. I saw what he did in college. A guy with an injury through the combine process, being drafted, like, you know, falling in the draft like he did a little bit, I think – it was just not a situation that I was ready to buy into. I didn't buy into Derek Carr, wasn't buying into the Raiders, but I will admit that it looks like I will be mistaken on that because the talent could usurp all of those thoughts and make him a great fantasy asset. I still wonder about the the distribution here with this team because they have a lot of like middle of the pack wide receivers and then they have like a 15 to 20 target per game tight end in Darren Waller, you know? So it's hard for me to buy into that, but I think if, you know, he, he needs to establish it and, and take it by the horns uh, because there are a lot of Brian Edwards stands out there. I, I not quite one of them, but I definitely see the athletic profile. It was just, it was just a situation that I wasn't in on. And I don't know if I'm there yet, to be honest, buddy. Well, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll take them. I'll take them from you, wherever yeah. you got them, fire them over to me. Um, <laughs> I, I watched the game. He was, you know, he was invisible. I think I tweeted in yeah. the third quarter or whatever. I said, uh, you know, Rugs and Edwards are getting shut out. And it was like the, like, I think it might have been the fourth quarter by that point. But then there was a drive that they needed. 
and it was all Brian Edwards. And it yeah. wasn't just like, oh, he's like wide open and it's like kind of a, you know, you know, had to throw it to him. He was kind of throwing it to him in some in some tough situations. And Edwards was making some dope catches, great body control. His body looks great. He w- he made the great play to basically win the game before they didn't win the game, before they then then won the game, where yeah. he, you know, <laughs> caught the ball, ran down the sideline, lunged and scored. Oh, air quotes. Man. I mean, man. that that was so dope. And I mean, Lamar Jackson was like hugging people like, yeah, you guys won. And then they didn't win. I mean, but that play was dope. He made a great play. Mm-hmm. He just he just he showed up. And, you know, that's not the reason that I think he's going to break out. Why do I think he's going to break out? Because he has one of the youngest breakout ages and, you know, in the in the college database. I mean, he was he was balling in the SEC at 17 years old and yeah. he played with Debo Samuel, the aforementioned Debo Samuel and still was, you know, uh quote unquote dominating. He was he was putting up uh modest stats, but we look at the the percentage of the stats that South Carolina team was was not yeah. prolific throwing the football. They were in the SEC. He was facing tough corners and you're right. He came into his rookie season hurt and you know, they didn't play him that much. I don't think he played, but maybe 20 or 30% of any of the snaps last year. Uh, he just didn't get out there. He was, he was injured. He was, it was COVID season this year, man, they lined him up as a starter. They're like, let's go. You're the dude. And he outplayed Henry Ruggs. He's better than Henry Ruggs. I said that on draft day. Um, I just think that Brian Edwards is their alpha X. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I know that he's going to be, you know, somewhere in the Devonte Parker, Corey Davis floor, in my opinion. So line them up and let's go. I'm ready for it. I think those two comps are actually really, really good. Devonte Parker and Corey Davis, because, you know, he's got that size and we can't forget that he had Marlon hum- Humphrey on him all most of the game uh, against Baltimore. And um, when they finally targeted him, even with Mar- Marlon Humphrey on him at the end of the game, he showed out. So I definitely like can definitely see that. Um, Derek Carr, man, just got to get it to him, right? Because Derek Carr has yeah. not necessarily been the best deep passer over the years. And uh, so I, I would definitely want to see that. But if there's going to be a guy on that team, I'm with you. It's going to be Edwards. It's not going to be Ruggs. Um, and I want to see it. I, I've formerly been a Raiders supporter. And, you know, I'll always support the Raiders. I'm kind of from that hip-hop era with the starter jackets and shit where the Raiders have <laughs> that special place in my heart, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm always kind of rooting for the Raiders. And uh, I want to see it because they've been they've been longing for that alpha wide receiver. And uh, it's just, like, unbelievable <laughs> that they took Henry Ruggs to hopefully be that for them. It's just insane. Hey, insane. by the way, by the way, you know, Willie Sneed – Willie Sneed, this is so bad. Willie Sneed played for the Baltimore Ravens, and he mm-hmm. basically lost them that playoff game where he they dropped. Well, not him alone, but he, I think he had like eleven thousand drops to uh, quote uh, <laughs> Michael P. Duncan, who always uses some number that's astronomical. But um, he had a bunch of drops in that playoff game, and then you know I, uh, I think Andrews had two, and everybody was dropping balls all over the place. But Willie Sneed was awful. Well, just when the Raiders needed a terrible play to, to, for the ball to go through his hands. They brought in Willie Sneed for that critical moment and they got yep. it. They got the interception. They gave the ball back to Baltimore right when they needed to not do so. Willie Sneed played two plays. One of them was that, you know, slant where he's wide open and yeah. Derek Carr threw it a little hot, but into the hands of, uh, uh, this was the greatest moment. By the way, I don't know if anybody saw this shit live, but 
it, it happened fast. It's all going crazy. But then they showed it on slow motion. And as the ball is going directly through Willie Sneed's hands, whoever the fuck the announcer was, bad throw there by Carr. Yeah, like, what dude. What are you talking What's about? What are you talking about there, hey? <laughs> like, you have got to catch it. Sure, it's going to be a hot shot. The guy's got fucking pressure in his face, you know? Sure, he's going to throw that on a line to his receiver who's wide open on a bloody slant. <laughs> catch the ball, dude. Bad I couldn't throw. believe that they were saying, what are you talking about, bad throw, man? That, that so couldn't good. have been more on target. And uh, <laughs> Willie Sneed's going to Willie Sneed, I guess. Like, what's that yeah. guy even doing in the bloody lineup there? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, just the, just when they needed him the most, they got him well, in there. And his two, his two snaps were from the slot, which is somewhere <sighs> that they have decided they are going to use Brian Edwards as well, which is super, super good to see that they're moving him around. He had 21 <laughs> slot snaps and yeah. uh, unfortunately not the two that Willie Sneed were on. But think yes. about if that was Brian Edwards and not Willie Sneed. That would have been, you know, game winning play right there. Hey, I forgot one player in the AFC East, so I'm just going to go back to it because it's feeling good right now. While we're dunking on Willie Sneed, let me dunk on (laughs) one more player. I think you might have been around when I threw Mike Gusecki off a bridge. Were you there when I did that? Yeah, I think we talked about him on that show of mine that you were on in the past too, and um, you did nothing but bury him. Yeah. And and look, here's the here, what I look, I've always said he's a he's actually a pretty little a pretty good little contested catch slot wide receiver. That's what he is. And mm-hmm. this was a problem. So for all of you guys who have Gesicki, sell him immediately because let me tell you, he was uh he he was not first on the team in in tight end snaps. That was Durham Smythe. Nobody mm-hmm. even knows who Durham Smythe is. Like his parents forgot Durham existed. Like nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody knows. He he doesn't even exist in real life. It, it, you know, it's true. And then Hunter Long, the rookie, played 18 snaps. Mike Gasecki played 21. When you said slot snaps, it just made me think of this. Yeah. Let me read to you how many snaps Mike Gasecki played uh, in various spots. First of all, he played nine snaps of his uh of his 21 wide mm-hmm. 11 in the slot and one in line he's a wide receiver now yeah. they were missing will fuller will fuller plays wow fuck what position is it wide receiver they're gonna mm-hmm. have jalen waddle look good uh Devontae parker look good mm-hmm. and will fuller is good for as long as he's healthy and so therefore there isn't a wide receiver position available for Mike Gesicki, and he's playing behind Durham Smythe, and Hunter Long was drafted for a reason. Mike Gesicki, yeah. poor one out. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. I'm, you know, this isn't no affront, but see you later, Mike Gesicki. Off the bridge. Yeah, I'm. I'm coming around. Um, you know, standing on the bridge staring down watching the splash in the ocean as he hits and uh you know pouring the 40 out right behind them you know because i have been a mike gasicki fan in the past jacks and i think we've probably had a couple of discussions on this before because we like that slot wide receiver tight end usually yes. but Correct. just not in this offense right he just has not panned out in this he was a top seven tight end last year but i think that was on sheer volume and a dumpy position you know what i mean i think it's going to be different this year because I think, A, we're going to have a better pool of tight ends. We're already kind of seeing that a little bit. Um, and I think this offense, like you said, all those wide receivers, Jalen Waddle, who they drafted in the top 
six of the draft is, in my opinion, best used as a versatile slot weapon. Run yes. him deep out of the slot, run him on drags yeah. out of the slot, get him in open space and let him work. And like you said, Gazicki's just the odd man out. And sorry, bud, yeah. but you can't block. So, you know, don't let the door hit you. Yeah, Waddle with little pivot routes and arrow routes. I mean, all that stuff is just awesome. It, mm-hmm. So you mentioned the slot, though, but like, okay, so a guy like Darren Waller, we'll use him as an example, and we'll also talk about Kyle Pitts real quick. Darren Waller, of course, played a lot of snaps, uh, but he played 18 wide, 22 slot, but 41 in line. Like, the dude can play in line. He's capable. He's not awesome as an inline blocker. He's not, but... He can get in there and you have to account for him in in Mm -hmm. one fashion or another. And he's so dominant as a receiver that it's kind of a problem. Same thing with Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'm going to look real quick. I looked at it earlier. Kyle Pitts played uh, 49 snaps, Uh, 49 snaps. He played 14 wide, 23 slot, 12 in line. Again, he's, you know, he's playing enough in line. Now, it didn't all look good for Kyle Pitts, but he got eight targets. He's going to be fine. Yeah, that's uh, good for a rookie. But, right? But those guys are the, the 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 sort of the guys you're talking about that you're hoping he is. I think that, you know, I think Gasicki played like 70-some-odd percent in the slot last year. So too much. He's just – and they, that's because they didn't have any weapons. You know, Preston Williams was out. Parker was out for a lot. Like they're like, uh, you know. So now they, they invested in that wide receiver position. Uh, Parker's back. There's just no spot for him. So pour one out. I'm sorry I was right, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, and uh, you deserve that little lap, buddy, because Thanks, you were calling that long ago, brother. Victory laps are fun, and that's what it was. They but I also want to point it out for the listeners because it's true. Like someone might think, oh, well, it was just one of those games or whatever. No, it's not. It's not. It's a problem. And, you know, it's just going to be inconsistent. And I, I just don't think he's a good enough inline blocking tight end where, you know, the NFL is not going to value him and he's going to get sort of moved to a just a sort of a, a tertiary role on any team he goes to. It's not going to be, the you know, a different team's going to make it happen. So moving on. Mm-hmm. One guy I think that we talked a little bit about, I think I inspired a tweet from you yes. as soon as we talked a little bit yes. pre-show I, I got you primed for the show Ooh. and i asked and i got a resounding answer did week one show proof of concept of rondale moore as an nfl player and you tweeted it baby what's going on yeah i think it's uh i think he did i think the the usage is going to continue to grow the tweet that you're mentioning, I just kind of threw out some of his uh, some of his usage, and basically it looked a little bit like 14, uh, 14 passing snaps, fourteen routes run, eleven of those were from the slot. Actually, Christian Kirk was predominantly in the slot. I think ninety five percent of his snaps were in the slot, but uh, Rondale had eleven, so a good percentage of whatever snaps he got. Right, he only had twenty snaps in total, including special teams. Um, but on those uh, eleven slot snaps, he got five targets. <laughs> four receptions for 68 yards. 64 of those yards were after the catch. His average depth of target was four yards. So I think he is going to be a very valuable piece as the shorter safety net for Kyler Murray. I think that will potentially hurt Chase Edmonds' target share with them having lots of wide receivers on the field. But I think Rondale's ready. They just got to get him in on more snaps. And I think uh, if they can move more into that four wide receiver offense that we've seen the first couple of years under Cliff, 
Um, I think the sky's the limit for Rondale, and uh, he's going to be in a lucrative role for this team. I think we could see that expand even into the red zone potentially. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I I was uh, dubious of Rondale, probably too much so, where I might not have as many um, Rondale more uh, uh, shares as I would like. I, I'd like to have him on on more of my dynasty teams because I think it's going to work out. If anybody is is wondering and and questioning, that's another guy I'd go out and trade for. Uh, so Brian mm-hmm. Edwards, Rondale Moore, these are all guys that I think that you can feel comfortable trading for. Rondale looked great. You're right. He only played 20 snaps, but they, they're they manufacturing those touches. And then when he touches the ball, dude is electric. He's absolutely yeah. electric. And when you talk about this offense, this Kyler Murray sort of spread him and shred him, uh, Edmonds fast speed out of the uh, uh, out of the backfield. Rondale you know, really that 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 jitterbug in the middle where he just can't be covered by any one safety or linebacker at all. Even most slot corners are no match for him, you know, in the yeah. quick movement areas of the field. Christian Kirk showed that he's a good player, which I still thought he was. I did not give up on Christian Kirk. Um, I think I have a few shares of him, although, you know, th- he's going to get picked up and probably traded for in too many spots because of the two touchdowns. Yeah. It was more the way he played. He played really good. Um, AJ Green is the best decoy they can find. Just set his ass on the outside and don't ever throw him the ball because every yeah, throw to him is targets. it's garbage. <laughs> I mean, he he is unbelievable. He is so washed; it's not even funny. He's got no chance out there. You know, you get you get uh, Hopkins and Green basically playing the same, not the same role, but the same position outside, right? And yeah. you know, Hopkins is just absolutely killing fools and AJ green is lost. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's over for AJ green, but what, what you, what you mentioned is interesting that they're going to play him on the outside, you know, Kirk and Rondale in the middle and obviously Deandre Hopkins not coming off the field. And I think that's a pretty good little setup. Absolutely. It is. And I think if <laughs> yeah. you look at Kirk's, I think if you look at Kirk's week one, um, his average depth of target from the slot was over 13 yards, I believe. So yeah, I don't think anybody's telling you that Christian Kirk is the future slot weapon of this team as they move into hopeful title contendership. I think the future in the slot for Arizona is going to be Rondale. So along with his after the catch work, if you can add some deep shots from the slot for him, who I think can get behind a defense easily with his speed and quickness and his route running is just stupid. So, um, yeah, I think the the sky's the limit for Ronda. You're going to get some some boom weeks here and there right now. For sure. But soon yes. enough, he's going to be the second on the target totem pole here. Um, and he's going to be putting up consistent weeks for us. Um, almost a la like what we saw from Debo. Obviously not the production that Debo had, but some of the, you know, the type of role that Debo had for the Niners this past week, getting it done after the catch and getting some work down the field. Yeah, and you're right. It, it it's probably going to be up and down. So you know, it may be harder to trade for him this week, and who knows, maybe next week or the week after he stumbles, he plays 30 snaps or whatever, and gets two targets for nothing or whatever. And you're yeah. like, someone gives up on him then. I mean, it's going to be a little harder this week uh, because he he looked good and played good. I mean, he didn't, he didn't kill it, so it's not crazy. But I also like the Chase Edmonds uh, usage. Um, you know, Edmonds saw 40 snaps, Connor with 34. Uh, but here's the here's the one I love. Chase Edmonds, 25 routes run. So on 40 of his snaps, 25 of them were out in the pass. Uh, you know, so I thought that's great. Uh, 11 carries, that's perfect. I love it. Yeah. That's exactly what you want from Chase Edmonds. 10 to 12 carries, and you know, in in, in there on passing downs. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the good thing about that is, is that um, they were ahead for a portion of that game. So him still getting all that passing work is good. Right. And it's funny. I just almost just rethought that right now, Jax, because uh, we talked a little bit of Cardinals on uh, our most recent episode that Ty and I did. And I was thinking that I was kind of avoiding this backfield because I thought they could be a little bit game script dependent, but I, I dug a little bit deeper into it and saw that week one usage and damn if he's going to be running all those routes i mean only four targets i think so that's a little bit modest for him um but i think we're going to continue to see james connor probably getting the heavier carry share um but chase Edmonds getting the work that we want him to get so it's something for me to keep an eye on a little bit because that defense i think is going to be a little bit resurgent so if they are playing with leads i wouldn't be surprised if they run the ball a little bit more hand more so i think that um that game script dependency could eventually come into play. But if I'm targeting anybody, it's Chase Edmonds as kind of like a, um, probably like a top 30 running back. One of those guys that you're happy with in the flex that could spot yes. in as you're running back too, right? I, I really like Chase Edmonds this year. I think it's going to be one of those teams that throws more than it runs. It's going to be a team that, you know, obviously if they're trailing or in a shootout, they're going to throw, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in order to get a lead, if they get one, it's going to be throwing. So, yeah, you know, good he's, point. You know, I mean, they're going to throw enough where he's going to get enough. And you're right. They did lean on Connor, I think, on one drive where, the, you know, how I don't know how many carries he got, but uh, I didn't I didn't actually watch that whole game. But um, but I think he got he got some late usage. Um, hey, sneaky one. Yeah, this is sneaky, sneaky. sneaky. Ready? You ready for the sneaky one? I, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Jax. I uh, I can see you as a, a sneaky bastard. I'm so sneaky. <laughs> this is so look, I don't think he's anything. All right, I'm I'm not saying he's anything. He's like nothing. But Max Williams played 55 snaps at tight end for them. He played 55. He played 55 out of 69 nice snaps. Um, So that's a lot. He ran 22 routes. Like he ran 22 routes. Christian Kirk 23 routes. Like he was kind of out there. You know, um, he was. Let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth on the team. I mean, he was in there. You know, and yeah, it's just. So I'm not hard saying to... yes, yes, he's nothing. But in we play in some deep dynasty leagues. This is a dynasty podcast. I think yes, guys sir. start to they, you look at the waiver wire, you look at this shit, and you're like, I know I'm in leagues. You're in them too. Where you look and you're like, dude, there's fucking nobody on this waiver <laughs> yeah. wire. Like, like you literally, there's fucking nobody yeah, like totally. i don't want anybody like i don't like sometimes i have fab and i go what the fuck is fab for exactly Literally, there's no reason to have it because there's no fucking chance i'm gonna want any <laughs> of these down, shit bags ever throwing down two dollar bids <laughs> just to spend it <laughs> right it's complete and utter nonsense right we're in yeah. so many leagues like that but look a guy who plays 55 snaps and look i think he might be a shit bag i'm gonna tell you i think he is a shit bag. This isn't like, hey man, this is my guy. No, it's not my guy. I'm just saying when you're when you're looking at deep ads in Dynasty, you have to add opportunity. And this dude played 55 yeah. fucking snaps for an offense that's going to score points. Like he ran 23. Like get him on your squad in the back end. I've done this on a few spots where I've just been like, I did this last year too. And of course, he's a shit bag, so he didn't do anything. But I'm just saying, like, it's just <laughs> sneaky enough. 
where it could be something. I mean, look, it, more efficient to throw to Max Williams than to AJ Green. There, I said it. No. Yeah, yeah, I will 100% give you that. Oh, I shit. 100% give you that. I think like it's just hard for me to buy into because they um, they already have one of the higher rates of 12 personnel just through one week, and they had the third highest rate last year, which I was blown away when I even saw that because I didn't wow. even like – I know they had Dan Arnold last year, and that's kind of part of it too is like if a player um, athletic as Dan Arnold in that offense isn't going to do it, I'm not sure that I'm going to see it necessarily. It's but to your point, point, man, tight end premium is a rising format in fantasy football. Deep dynasty leagues are um, it in fantasy football. Like you got to be playing in these leagues. This is the way that you're going to test your metal against sharks. So um, in a tight end premium league, if a guy's getting that much snaps, the injury bug could strike. Christian Kirk has gotten hurt before. AJ Green's been hurt before. So uh, in a situation where they're begging for somebody to command some targets, I think if that guy's going to be on the field and if he can get open, Kyler can target him. So I like that, man. I do see a couple of tight end names that you have on the list that I probably would like more than Mac- Max Williams. Well, let's um, talk about those because while we're at it, that. I love talking. About, I was going to almost create a whole segment about – these deep tight ends and you probably see him on the show sheet. We were going to talk about him. So let's go there. Give me someone that, that you really like as a deep tight end right now. And they, I think a couple of them showed themselves, but go ahead and, and, and tell everybody. Totally. Totally. Um, now I'm not going to take all of them that are on here. Cause he has some great names on there, my man. But the one that I'm looking at the most, I think right now is probably David and Joku. Um, yeah. Just because I like that kind of tantalizing athletic profile, I think the Browns are kind of begging for ancillary targets in this offense behind like Jarvis Landry with Odell still hurt um, and Austin Hooper having kind of mixed results so far. I was on Austin Hooper coming into the season as well, but um, for me, I think the way that they get this offense clicking is with two tight ends on the field and getting David Njoku out there as the passing weapon. And we saw five targets for him, which was tied for the team lead. Uh, so I think for a team who showed us against Kansas City, they can put up some points. And especially this week playing Houston, um, I think David Njoku might be a sneaky little tight end option um, if you're in if you're in a pinch or if there is a premium on tight end scoring. I picked up David Njoku in the Scott Fishbowl just because the scoring for tight ends there is great. And if that can flourish into any sort of consistent target share, uh, then I think we have a guy who can give us big upside with his athletic profile, his prowess in the red zone. Um, he just offers more dynamism than uh, than does Austin Hooper. And that's an element that this offense kind of needs. By the way, uh, quick aside, uh, I basically... Uh, drafted my Scott Fishbowl like I was blindfolded swinging at a pinata. So um, <laughs> I did. I was just like literally just trying to fucking hit that thing and crack it open. So yeah. I didn't do very good. And RIP my team. I think I'm. I think I'm done for. I'm in trouble. Uh, but that being said, that being said, I agree with you. I'm also in a pretty decent division, but I definitely was just kind of you know lurching all over the place. I think I have. Uh, Kyle Pitts at round three, and that's that's hurting me. Whatever, God bless me. Uh, Trey yeah. Lance and Kyle Pitts, like you know what I mean. Like I was just totally, like taking yeah. these home run swings. You got to risk it in these tournaments, man. Fuck you it, risk right? It. Like it's like a hundred, mm-hmm. like nineteen hundred people. Like you know, I just need the the craziness to happen. So I was just like completely unique lineup, which is turning out to be one of the shittier ones. So <laughs> I was able to lock in one of the worst ones. Lucky See? me. Uh, but yep. I'm with you, man. Yeah, and in, in, in formats like that, David and Joku. I also really like in Jacksonville. Their tight end one, Tim T. No wait, 
Uh, <laughs> not Tim Tebow. Uh, James not O'Shaughnessy. Tim Tebow is a great fantasy asset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lock in not Tim Tebow from the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> really rising star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I think you might be referring to James O'Shaughnessy, and uh, you know, with the luck of the Irish, yeah, us Boston decent- guys love fucking yeah. O'Shaughnessy. I got a little bit in me as well, buddy. So uh, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And I think eight, did he get eight targets with Trevor Lawrence in week one? I think that's right. Yeah. I'm not looking right and now. And yeah. they have a shitty defense and they're going to have to be airing it out all the time. And it looks like his quarterback who is young and needs that is uh, trusting of him. Why the hell not take a dart throw on him? So let, let's stay right here for the moment. Let's stay right here with Jacksonville because there's so much to talk about in Jacksonville. James O'Shaughnessy probably not leading the the the, the cause, but I think you know I think he is a, a great ad. I think he's going to get targets. I was targeting him a little bit before the season in some deeper dynasty leagues. I've got him stashed in a few spots. Uh, uh, the the dynasty game theory uh, whatever league that you're in with me that I started this yep. triple super flex or whatever like yeah it's insane. T- you know two tight end thing. Uh, by the way, I have the shittiest team. I just sold off all my pieces. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy starting for me at one of my tight end spots this week. So, yeah, that's the kind of team I've Putting got. Put your money where me. your mouth is, man. That's just another reason why people should be listening to the undrafted podcast because you're going to put your money where your mouth is and you're going to help people yeah. get dubs. I mean, granted, that that particular team is a team that uh, by playing James O'Shaughnessy, I'm hoping I lose so I get the 1.01 because I am fucked in that league. It's a, it Look, it's a three. It's a start it's a three quarterback. League start two tight ends. And so if you yeah. don't have a, and it's 10 team. So if your team mm-hmm. isn't dope, stop, get the hell out of here. So I sold everything. I, you know, just sell, sell. Everything's available. I sold Dalvin cook in that league oh, and Rhino's looking. Dope. Your team's so dope, dude. I sold it's you so Dalvin cook. I gave him to you. <laughs> yep. And, uh, it's sweet because, um, yeah, I've got like Melvin Gordon, um, and D- Daryl Henderson are guys that I'm swapping out on my bench and like Travis yeah, Etienne's on IR and, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. I'm going to yeah, crush yeah, that. You have, Rashad like, what are Bateman, what are your David backs? Njoku st- putting my money where my running backs are Dalvin Cook, um, Damian Harris, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, Mar- Melvin Gordon, Travis Etienne, got Latavius in there, Kenyon Drake in there. It's just it's a thing in beauty, Jack. You got some I quarterbacks. I don't want to brag, I though. I, no, no, it's a great team. I, I looked at your team and I was like, "That's a guy who would pay for Dalvin." And tell the listeners what we did. I mean, basically, you gave me your twenty-two and twenty-three first. Um, I paid and, up. I paid and, up. Oh, absolutely. And, well, look, I'm not selling Dalvin Cook light because he's dope. I wouldn't expect that, right? He's no. a. I personally have him have him ranked as my I think number three dynasty running back and number two for 2021. So I'm I am no fool in knowing that I'm gonna have to pay up for him. And I expect knowing that you're a sharp player, I expect that you're gonna make me pay up for him. Yeah. And so seeing that my team is in rebuild or in sorry, my team is in win now mode, I have a team that could take this league home. Uh, and you have a team who's looking to retool. So I thought it was a pretty good option for us for me to sustain that success for a couple of years. And you to get some roster churn, roster churn for a couple of years and yes. uh, and rebuild it. So um, yes. I think it was a good trade for both. And um, yeah, we sometimes you just got to risk it for that biscuit. Yeah, and I traded like Mike Davis for a second. I traded Ben Roethlisberger for Elijah Mitchell in a third. 
Um, so I traded like, I like that one. Yeah. Roethlisberger. Now Roethlisberger, people are like what you traded Roethlisberger. It's like, like you got that for him. He's a shit bag. And it's like, yeah, sort of. But it, when you can start up to three quarterbacks, those and it's six point passing touchdown, like mm-hmm. you want a quarterback in all three of those super flex, you know, spots, the, the quarterback spots. Otherwise you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have to have a really dominant team to not have three quarterbacks basically. So, you know, I sold him to, um, a team that had two quarterbacks, but a yeah. dope team. So now that, you know, Elijah Mitchell was like, here it is, found money, turns into a quarterback for me. I'm great. For me, look, if Elijah Mitchell hits and he's good for years to come, then fine. If not, Ben Roethlisberger will never be part of a winning team for me, no. like ever. So I need to get rid totally. of him. He's a hot potato. Get him the hell out yeah. of there. So that's a great trade for me. Mike Davis, same thing. He's never going to be on a championship team for me. Again, he comes, he goes to a team that, is trying to win. So I, I sold all these sort of win now pieces for fair market value. Obviously you got him. So that was fun, but getting back to Jacksonville, we got off topic. <laughs> um, they've got, they've got a lot of fantasy goodness. As you mentioned, they're so terrible. And by, by the way, did you see urban Meyer is not going to take the USC coaching job? Did you see that? Thank goodness. Like the fact that it was even potentially a consideration, <laughs> like no, what no. a clown. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I think it's fucking true. The fact that on my on my uh, phone it says this alert, uh, breaking news: uh, Urban Meyer has no interest in the <laughs> USC coaching Good. job. Means to me that he has a hundred percent interest in that fucking USC coaching <laughs> job. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. He's just, you know, he's just not ready to say it yet, or maybe he doesn't have the plums, and he's just going to stick it out for the season, right? But- it just means like you know, when I get fired, I'm fucking positioning for that USC job is what I'm doing. Absolutely. What a we've seen coaches. Off. We've seen co- a coach. Uh, was it Petrino for Atlanta? Yes. Same thing. I'm mid-season. not going to Louisville or whatever. Yeah. Mid-season, I think he bounced. Like, come yeah, on, dude. Yeah, it's wow. going to happen. Urban Meyer's out. He got in here and he's like, wait a minute. This is fucked. I got to get out of here. So he's done, man. I'm telling you, he's going to. Money on him for first coach fired or whatever the hell he's yeah. going to do, um, you know, fly the coop. Uh, that team is awful. Their defense is absolutely shitty. And I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence and a lot of those other players. There's some good players there. I mean, they're playing Carlos Hyde over James Robinson, like two carries to one. Like, this is ridiculous. This team is in in major trouble. But with that trouble comes some some garbage time. And that yeah. garbage time is really lucrative for Chark and Marvin Jones and Chenault, um, you know, and the aforementioned James O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, man. And I think like, I think, you know, it is a shitty team. The defense is garbage. The offensive line sucks. But I think they have built some really nice offensive weapons. I mean, it'll be nice to see them keep that core together for when they get a regime in that's going to use, use them properly because – Urban is as of yet not doing so, um, <laughs> but uh, I think like if he does bounce, I think he's kind of set the team up okay with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he didn't do anything to get Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me no. wrong, but um, having Trevor Lawrence there, like he will be leaving behind, you know, some pieces for somebody to work with, especially if they get a young offensive mind in there, um, and then that guy just needs to focus on fixing that bloody defense, getting some offensive linemen in there. Um, and I think the weapons and the quarterback can really, really get it done here. I love me some DJ Chark. Yeah. Um, 
I was definitely higher on him than consensus. And I think uh, it's just kind of due to the fact that th- th- he's going to get three, four five deep shots per game. Yeah. Um, and chances are he's going to hit on at least one of them. You know what I mean? So I like yeah. him. Um, I think Marvin Jones is similar. Um, and I think those guys both add some red zone upside and then yeah. LaVisca, they, they used him pretty well this past week. They used him for what he should be used for. So that was really good to see. Um, I just hope they continue to do so because he will be the guy who, um, you know, becomes the favorite target of Trevor Lawrence because he can do it in so many different ways. So I think there's Look, some really good pieces, uh, paired with that some, defense. It's going to be good. I've got some famous takes on James Robinson, both being high on him and then low on him. Here we are after week one, and it was a real turd for James mm-hmm. Robinson. I'll ask you because I'm not even sure now what I think. I've been I've been above consensus, below consensus, above consensus, and below consensus, back and forth. You know, the, the, this whole James Robinson thing is has been just a, a, an amazing thing to watch. Here we are after week one. What are your thoughts here on James Robinson going forward? Is this a panic? It's damn near a panic. It's damn yeah. near a panic. And I don't think it's to do with James Robinson. I think it's Agreed. to do with the coaching staff and, you know, the undying love for Carlos Hyde for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's the Ohio State connection with Urban Meyer, but it's just inexplicable that um, old busted ass Carlos Hyde is out touching James Robinson in a game where Jacksonville's getting an ass whooping. So, I don't know, man. I think it's just the rational coaching that's sinking this whole ship, to be honest with you. And yeah. James Robinson is no exception to that. So I think he'll be fine-ish because I think um, maybe he'll build in some more efficiency. Like I don't expect him to be getting like, um, you know, minimal carries to Carlos Hyde every week. But I think Carlos Hyde's going to be a bit of a hindrance there. The one good thing is that James Robinson had six targets. So maybe yes. he builds some efficiency on top of that. Um, I did like to see that. So um, I think that does help him not necessarily being panic button. But I think like for um, for audio listeners, if there's the panic button, your hand's probably like an inch <laughs> above it, just kind of waiting to be the first one to hit that panic button and just get out on the situation. So it's unfortunate, though, because I love James Robinson, one of my highest owned running backs last year, and um, he can get it done if given the shot. So it's just up yeah. to Urban to give him the shot. Yeah, it's like I got the feeling that if they would have been able to keep the lead, that they wouldn't have played uh, James Robinson as much. But because they were behind, they needed the pass down back, who's James Robinson. Because, I mean, he did play more snaps, but got fewer carries, which I'm not so sure. It's it's a, it's a, it's a mess there. Um, yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, look, the best thing that could happen for James Robinson is if, um, you know um, – Urban Meyer does take that USC job and they find just somebody like literally a cardboard cutout of John Madden could do a better job coaching that team right now. So um, the other take that I had, and I'm really feeling, (laughs) thank you. I'm really feeling good about it. (laughs) Like literally just one of those like fat heads, just a John Madden fat head. Like that's it. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) You know, that's all they need is a guy like that. Um, They're in better shape, like literally. Um, But (laughs) John Madden Fathead. That's the name of the show, mm-hmm. folks. Enjoy that. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, that's going to be a fucking great show title, I'll tell you. Um, Get yourself a Fathead sponsorship is what you should do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Really? They, they'd love this show. Actually, they yeah. probably would. You know, a lot of swearing, so. you know, belligerence. Um, so one of my takes 
during the draft was I was so fucking incensed with every single decision except for drafting Trevor Lawrence at the 1.01, every single decision Jacksonville made. Like I had said they were stupid enough to take a running back, and I was right. That's how stupid mm-hmm. they are to take them in the first round. But my thought process was they should have been churning value and just mining value because they had two first, two second, a third, two fourths, whatever it was. Like they, they had like six picks in the top 65 or some crazy thing. Like they could have been the banker. They could have been the iron bank of mm-hmm. the uh, of the draft where they, they could have traded that ETN pick. Look, I like ETN fine. I think he'd have been a great player, but they could have traded that ETN pick for like a second this year and like a second next year. And then they have it. It's all just it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Then they traded that. They they had like the first pick of the second round. Trade that one for just a single exactly. first rounder next year. They probably could have done that. Like uh, to yeah. a good team would have been like fine. We'll just give you our first next year. And then they just keep going, and they'd have all this. You know, they'd still have all the shitty players they drafted with their picks because they took guys well ahead of like quote unquote ADP. <laughs> so they yeah. didn't get they, they didn't get any value from their picks. They just took guys well ahead of where they should have gone and didn't get any future value. And now their coach is a shitbag who's leaving. It's just a complete and utter mess in Jacksonville. And I'm so sorry if there are any fans in Jacksonville, I'd apologize <laughs> to them, but there aren't. Yeah, well, it was kind of like it kind of reminds me of what the Raiders did a couple years ago in that draft where they drafted Cleveland Farrell. I think they exactly. got Jonathan Abrams, um, and I think they got Josh Jacobs in that one as well. And so, like it, you know, that wasn't necessarily the worst outcome. But I mean, Cleveland Farrell was the fourth and overall then, pick, uh, and he Arnett, was just a healthy year. scratch. Hey, Arnett. That's right. Arnett. That's right, Damon Arnett. Like, what are you doing? You know, and so like, I'm not sure. Even if they did that, I would have trusted them not to fuck that up. But, um, you know, I think that would have been the smart move because they they could have a rebuilt defensive core if they did something like that and picked oh. a bunch of defensive players that can be foundational pieces. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was all in front know, of them. They, they, it was all in front of them. And now it's just absolute shit show. They lost to this team that like literally every analyst in person was like, there's 31 NFL teams and the Houston Texans also, <laughs> you know, and like they they got. They didn't just lose. They, they got them. fucking steamrolled by that team. Like mm-hmm. that is an embarrassment. Absolutely. And Tyrod looked good. And, uh, you know, the the Houston Texans offense isn't going to be confused for the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or anything. But hats off to Tyrod for having them rolling a little bit against that Jacksonville defense. Like perfect matchup for those guys to open up with. Get a little bit of confidence when the entire world is just shitbagging you all off the season. So uh, <laughs> yeah. kudos to the Houston Texans for Absolutely. That, I, I was happy for him. I'm with you as well. Like, you know, because all those guys are probably fucking cool. And they're just like, dude, we're getting rolled every every yeah. week. You know who wasn't fooled by the Houston win? was the Vegas line makers. Uh, that's not even well said, but uh, they they have the Browns favored by like 12 and a half at home mm-hmm. against the Texans. I'll take I'll take the Browns. I think they're going to kick the ever-living shit out of this Texans Same. team traveling to Cleveland. Uh, that's not going to be a good look for Texans. What do you think? You with me? You riding with me with this uh, Browns kicking the shit out of Texans? 100% with yeah. you on that one. I have uh, Nick Chubb is – I think he's yes. a top five running back for me, and I think Kareem Hunt is even like a top 12, top – 15-ish running back for me because I think they're going to get a, get ahead. I think they're yes. going to run the ball. And um, 
not necessarily in on many of the passing weapons for the Browns this week, although we did see some decent work from Anthony Schwartz, the rookie, in week one. I just don't think that's going to play out versus um, versus the game script that we should see against the Texans. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm expecting uh, the Browns to kind of get up early, and that Browns defense is going to be no joke, man, and they're going to be pissed off about losing that win against Kansas City. So this is a really good get-right matchup for them, and I think they're going to take full advantage. And Nick Chubb is going to go buck wild this week. It's it's funny you say that. I have uh, Nick Chubb as my RB3 this week and uh, Kareem Hunt as my RB20. And I would be fine moving him up on a few slots. I mean, you know, there's pretty good backs there. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you 100%. They're going to kick the shit out of him. They're going to run all over him. But hey, who knows? Maybe Houston 2-0, the best, most surprising 2-0 team in the history of the NFL, uh, mm-hmm. goes into Cleveland and embarrasses them. They start 0-2. Cleveland 0-2. Houston 2-0. Ooh, that would, that be would be fucking amazing. I bet you Baker's seat would be pretty fucking hot <laughs> after that, man. Holy. Um, with your rankings point, I got Nick Chubb at 5, and I also have Kareem Hunt at running back 20. Yeah, there's the Great 20. Lines. where Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you may want to consider moving Chubb up because, I mean, the only reason that Chubb I won't, think I might. won't do better is because they're like, way ahead and they're like all right fine you're fine you just yeah got, you know. so it might be a dearness johnson game like legit <laughs> legit yeah. if they're up yes. 20 points in the first half and nick chubb's gone for a buck 50 and two touchdowns i would not be surprised to see a bunch of dearness johnson towards the end of this game uh two two players or maybe three that i want to talk about um zeke and barkley <sighs> so yeah. are you panicking on either of these two stud running backs going forward in redraft and dynasty, you can you can give me your take how you think it's going to play out and how you'd play it in in either redraft or dynasty. Yeah, so I think it's hard because I think for dynasty, it's really about the the window that you want to build your team within, right? Some people are two to three years, some people are three to five, et cetera, et cetera. I'm more of a two to three year player, so I want to get that win, and I think. Zeke would definitely, or sorry, Saquon would definitely be a buy for me. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He's just been in the shittiest situation for his entire career. Um, No matter what happens with him, if his situation gets even a smidgen better, he's going to light it up. He just has to stay healthy. So I'm buying Saquon in Dynasty, especially when you're seeing him um, towards the end of draft season going in like the early second round of drafts when he was like the first overall pick two seasons ago unanimously. Uh, so Saquon's definitely a buy. Zeke's a little bit of a tougher case because he's the type of running back, especially with Tony Pollard getting more utility and looking so good. I think Zeke is the kind of running back who could kind of fall off a cliff within the next couple of years, right? Kind sure. of like a Le'Veon Bell type deal or like a Todd, like Todd Gurley obviously is because of his knees. But I think yeah. Zeke eventually just be could be because the offense wants to go in a different direction. He's paid a ton of money. He's been pretty inefficient. And so maybe they go a different direction and he bounces around a couple teams towards the latter end of his career or whatever. So I think he's kind of that guy. So if I was going to, like, I don't necessarily panic too, too much, but if I'm going to panic over one of these guys, it would be Zeke. But I think panic would probably be a bit of a strong word on it because I think Zeke can still give us a couple of good seasons. I think for this season, he's probably going to be fine as well as Saquon. I just think like, they're just such good talents, so entrenched in these offenses. Um, but again, similarly, I would put Saquon over Zeke for the rest of the season because we're already seeing that offensive line get bang- banged up. So I put Saquon a tier above Zeke, 
Uh, but I think both of them can still be fine for redraft. And then Zeke, I would be trying to get out of for Dynasty and Saquon, I'm buying. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually have Zeke ahead of Barkley for this year. Nice. Um, yeah, no, I was I was still on the Barkley train. I was assuming health, though, like assuming health, which is a huge assumption to make. And we know that uh, assumptions can make an ass out of you and me. Not me. No, just you. But no, I'm okay. just joking. But okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. Uh, but no, I, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, Barkley is not going to – I don't like him this week on the short week against sure. Washington. Yeah. Like, ugh. You know, I actually have him outside a top – I'd play Kareem Hunt ahead of Barkley this week. Uh, I have him outside my top 20. Like, he didn't get the snap share. The team is awful. It's a real yeah. shit show there. Um, you know, they've got, um, you know um, – cardboard cutout Jason Garrett calling plays in New York. <laughs> like literally like that guy is just like, you look over and he's just the same guy every week, you know? And you're like, Oh wow. Look, Except same it's plays. Got like, it's got like a little motor that makes the hands clap on the cardboard cutout. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. There's like, a guy behind him with a crank. Somebody hired pulling strings. Yeah. Yes. They actually hired some poor bastard <laughs> to pull the strings on Jason arms, Jason Garrett's arms. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There should definitely be, someone should make a fucking Jason Garrett, like Muppet, like a gigantic life-size Muppet where the, someone just makes some Zans clap. I, I, I see it now. Maybe that's actually who it is. Cause they're, they're terrible. Um, but you know, that's a problem uh, for for Saquon for that whole team. You know, Daniel Jones can't stop turning it over. Their offensive line is hot garbage. I've made the mm-hmm. the, the wonderful tweet. I the fucking best. Um, uh, the Giants. I said the Giants should trade all world wide receiver Kadarius Tony for a starting offensive tackle. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are a cheeky motherfucker. And I yeah, people it, not sure. They're like, I don't understand. Uh, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, what don't you understand? They fucking could have drafted Derisaw or fucking yeah. Cosby or Eichenberg uh, or any other guy. Instead, yeah. they have a fucking gadget guy that, what the? They yeah. give a gadget to a guy who doesn't like gadgets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Guy's an actual, he's an actual cardboard cutout. Yes. We've determined that on this show. Oh, so why it's would unbelievable. <laughs> so bad. So Barkley, for those reasons, is scary this year, right? Like, I think a lot of that stuff might change or, oh, my God, imagine if it didn't into next year. Like, this stuff is going to go bad here. That would be, be sketch. Right? Yeah. I think that's going to go bad. Like, the Giants, I mean, I, we were doing the over-unders uh, for the Giants, and I think he told me it was like seven or eight or eight and a half. I was like – fucking smash the under giants oh, under this yeah. year is like the easiest bet of all time. So for those reasons, Barkley is scary. Zeke just went up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That defense is a, the, the number one run defense last year. They were like, they gave up zero and uh, on the ground last year, they brought it back uh, famously all 22. And I wasn't expecting much from him in week one, their schedule softens big time here in the next several weeks. So I think he's going to come back and he's going to be fine. Um, I don't know how good, but good enough. Top 10, you know, that type of player and over the next, Mm -hmm. you know, five to 10 weeks. So I feel good about Zeke this year, but I a hundred percent agree with your dynasty take on Zeke and Barkley. I'm with you. I think he's going to be not healthy here for a while. The team's not going to be very healthy and eventually he's going to be dope. I would be trading for Barkley if I'm a team that has next year as its uh, sites. You know, if I'm a team that has like Acres and ETN or something like that, or Acres, Dobbins, maybe two of those three guys, I'd I'd look to try and make a deal 
for Barkley. And then next year you have this Barkley Acres ETN or something like that. That'd be a yeah. that'd be a move I'd look to make. That's dynamite. That's just like the team I was just reading off in that league that you've got there. With now I acquired Dalvin Cook, and I'm set up really nicely at running back. And Saquon can be that for us because either it's going to get better in New York or he's going to go elsewhere, which is probably better for him, right? So it's, it's got to change. It's, uh, it's got to change. Yeah, you just can't sure. ride the sh- the shit for so long. I mean, you know, New York fans are not going to be okay with this team uh, in November, December. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be no. ugly and. You know, the fact that they drafted Kadarius Tony tells you everything you need to know. First of all, who is the other coach who came out openly and said, oh, shit, I wish I could have taken Kadarius Tony? The aforementioned dumbass Urban Meyer who can't, yeah. you know, right? I mean, this is Couple like red fucking, flags there. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I've said this so many times on the show, like people will be like, so you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? And it's like, in these cases, 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like it's just unbelievable how and these guys don't even get used. Like this Kadarius Tony is barely going to get used, man. I just don't see yes. it. Yeah, there's like a like a it. like a ten percent chance he's a good player in the NFL. I mean, like yeah. he's zero, like almost zero. He's an elite wide receiver, like almost zero. And then you put him with a quarterback who's either going to run the ball or just huck it up <laughs> down the it. field. Or exactly, or put it on the ground. Like you're not bringing players in that are conducive to team success or individual success. Like it's just, it doesn't make sense. The fit is just, I mean, but let's be honest, like the Jason Garrett's their pick of the litter at offensive coordinator. So it doesn't really surprise me that much. And I I watch the Giants because I'm an Eagles fan and I've been watching it for a while, dude. Oh man, losing to the Giants must be terrible. It's like if we lose to the Jets this week, it's going to be brutal. But hey, we've we've poured some dirt on some people, uh, like Urban Meyer, uh, you know, um, you know, Kadarius Tony, Mike Gesicki, uh, yep. Jason Garrett. Um, our, uh, let's finish here. It's been a long show, by the way. There's, I, I could do this all night with you, bro. This is so much know, fun. I'm having fun, so <laughs> much fun with you right now, dude. This is a great show. I love you, man. This is, you're awesome. The listeners are fucking like, don't stop. This is great. I guarantee you. Well, I hope you, they like it. I hope they like I it. I know my crazy ass, stupid ass listeners. They're, they're on their like third drink. They've been drinking all night. It's unbelievable. No, listen, Beauty. listen, Green Bay Packers. Okay. Whew. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers went to Hawaii. He did a bunch of mushrooms, was smoking weed. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't working out. He grew a man bun. Like, yep. all the sports writers are, they really think it's the man bun. So, I got to ask you, is it the man bun? <laughs> I don't think it's the man bun. I do not think it's the man bun. I could I mean, do for him getting rid of the man bun. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. could do for him getting rid of the man bun, but uh, – no, I'd like to I like to look into, you know, more tangible pieces that could be at fault. And um honestly though, like that even that being said, like I think it's it was a, just a way off game for the team. Um he was late coming into the camp and um maybe there was a little bit of friction there or something like that. And so I don't necessarily know what it was, but talk about a get right game in week two yeah. against the Detroit Lions. I got uh, my running back ranks are a little hot takey, but I got Aaron Jones as my running back one this week, Jack. So I am bullish on the Packers and the bounce back. Uh, So no, I don't think it's the man bun. I think maybe they just needed to light a fire under their asses or something. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the only guy who's pissed off and ready to come produce in week two. I think that whole team will be, including 
Aaron Jones. So I think uh, people should just R-E-L-A-X, brother. Love that. I love that take. (laughs) You're the best for it. I totally agree. So I love it. You're just leaning right into the uncertainty. I'm I'm with you, man. Look, New Orleans had a great defense. It Mm -hmm. it happens. I think he's right. You know, I think – I think this happened last year too, after the R E L A X game where he was like, bro, chill back. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I got a hot girlfriend. I'm going to smoke some weed. It's going to be chill. <laughs> I'll be fine, yeah. bro. Don't worry. I'm a, I mean, he admitted he had a big tall glass of like bourbon or whiskey. The, the on draft night when they drafted Jordan love, he's going to get properly sauced. He's going to, he's going to create the proper <laughs> concoction. He's going to go out and kick the shit out of Detroit and where everything's going to be fine. Like he's going to have like four yeah. touchdowns all like three to Devonte Adams and one to Aaron yeah. Jones. It's going to be awesome. I kind of agree with you. I think they're going to be okay. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how okay, but they're not. Yeah. They're, it's I, not I'm over with you me. on that. I'm yeah. with you on that. I think it's going to be a tougher road. I think, um, I think Minnesota is going to have something to say about this defense. I think if Chicago gets Justin Fields on the field, I think Chicago could have something to say about it, but I think the road through the conference itself is going to be a lot harder for them. So I think there's going to be some bumps in the road for, for them, but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an offense we still want pieces of, though, right? I want Aaron Jones. Yeah. Uh, we're watching AJ Dillon and Kylan Hill battle it out for the ancillary work. Um, looking like Kylan Hill is going to be the pass catcher, and AJ Dillon is going to get some carries. So I think Kylan Hill is making those AJ Dillon truthers a little bit disappointed um, by the end of 2021, just because um, I think they ran the same amount of snaps in Week One. So I think they're liking the young pieces that they have in this running back room. Um, but I love me to, some Devontae Adams. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling got eight targets in week two or week one. So I think there's pieces that we can like on this offense still. Yeah, I was uh, I uh, on the uh, preview show. I had talked up MVS and, you know, MVS is, you know, he was tantalizing as a rookie and he kind of just was he just didn't take a step forward in either of the next two seasons. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think he has that upside that you're looking for. Uh, for a player that is drafted in his spot and a player that is uh, valued where he's valued. Like he's the type of guy that you want to target in those value ranges. Um, I'm with you hundred percent and you're right, man. I mean, uh, Kylan Hill is, you know, he might be a better football player than AJ Dillon. That's not a solved equation. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he is, but I'm certainly ain't saying he isn't. Uh, there's there's a, lot a lot of people who would say that, right? Right. And I yeah. think like as far as versatility, I think Kylan Hill offers you more of that than A.J. Dillon. Um, but I think probably raw talent with the ball in his hands, maybe A.J. Dillon, but they just play so different that I don't think it's necessary to um, compare them really. You know what I mean? I think we just let them do what they do. Yeah. Um, but I think as far as three down skill set, I, I might go out on a limb and say that Kylan Hill has more of that than A.J. Dillon. I don't disagree. I mean, I think if I'm an NFL general manager, I'd rather Kylan Hill, um, certainly at value. Kylan Hill was Mm -hmm. a seventh round draft pick. I'm definitely, definitely, definitely never drafting AJ Dillon in the second round. That much I know for sure. Um, You know, Aaron Jones, fifth rounder, loved him. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there we are. So uh, we did it. We we did a podcast. We did it. I love it, it, buddy. I've been... uh... I've been anxious to get on the show for a while. I uh, got a busy life with all these kids that I'm 
putting out. So it's, yeah, uh, it's you're hard to get them done out. sometimes. It's hard to get done. I've got the fourth one coming within the next oh, two weeks, Jax. So unbelievable. Uh, Four. Um, yeah. So I cleared it with the wife today that I was coming on the show and she said, you better get the guest spots in before this baby comes. And so oh here I God. am, buddy. I'm really, really glad we could make it work. I have so much respect for your takes and the work that you put out there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's just a blast that we're buddies now and we can shoot the shit all the time. And uh, this was such a great pod. It didn't even feel like I was podding. felt like I was just sitting shooting the shit with the buddy. Um, so thank you for that. It's, uh, it's a fun pod to come and be on, and it's been a great pod to listen to. So I wish you all the success with the show. And uh, you know I love you and the Undroppables crew, buddy. You guys are family for me. So um, it's all love and support from us here at True North, buddy. You guys know that. Listen to Trav. I mean, this is why you love Trav. He's an absolute pro. He's so good at this. True North is such a great pod. Uh, I do listen to it. I love it. You know, Ty is always cutting you off too much. You got to tell him to shut up. <laughs> he's, he's like me. He won't shut the fuck up. I mean, he and I, I mean, if he, he and I did a pod together, it'd be problems because we'd just be talking <laughs> over one another it's always good shit buddy it's always good no, shit he's putting a- out so i got no problem with that but uh he's fucking yeah, brilliant man fun, he's buddy. great yeah that's my point he's great though he is man both of you guys together are awesome i love it you know and and uh you know there's 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 big uh you know sites and you know i've had some big names all you know evan silver whatever look i try mm-hmm. to get the people i respect and I will tell you, I respect your ass and I respect what you guys do. So you guys do good work. You really look at it right. I think you're a great analyst. I think you're really awesome. So hopefully the people who don't know who you are and are listening to this will go check you out. True North, uh, True North uh, the True North pod. It's really a good pod, man. And, uh, Thanks, and, and yeah, man, I, I, I've said that before and I'll say it, uh, you know, loud and proud. So uh, thanks for coming on. Travis Seal. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we're going to get you on our show again soon. Let's go, baby. Yeah, that was a good show we did last year. I had some I had some fire takes. That was a lot of fun. I had, I had a good time. section off three show. hours for that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had Stoner on with me, too. So that's uh, yeah, that, that made totally. it a little degree of difficulty. But uh, <laughs> let, 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 let's call this one. So on behalf of everybody at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody at the Undrafted, on behalf of of the greatest producer the world could ever have. That is Michael P. Duncan. On behalf of Travis Seal, I'm Jax Falcone. We out.